Vite uh, really took off after Vite 2.0 released because Vite 2.0 changed its plugin API to align with Rollup. And since then, all the uh, Rollup plugins are available to be used by Vite users. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Noel and with me today is Haoshin Zhang. Haoshin's a core team member of both the View and V teams. Um, he's here to talk to us about his latest conference talk, Views Road to Vite. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, before we get into the, the talk and kind of what you're working on, can you tell us a little bit about your your background um, and and what it's like to work on open source tools like Vue and Vite? Uh, sure. I joined the Vue.js team around 2018. That, that was four years ago. And that was around the time uh, Vue COI 3 came out. So I have since worked on the uh, Vue.js tooling space uh, since then. And now I have also joined the Vite team and work on the Vue integration of Vite and other stuff. So my main focus on uh, is about the front-end tooling. And the front-end tooling space is quite a large ecosystem and it requires a lot of knowledge about all the things happened in the uh, community. So I was, uh, uh, I have to be open time. Oh, oh I have to be uh, full time in the uh, team. And I was for quite a long time the only full time team member except for Evan Yu himself. And that's very, uh, that's a very amazing journey, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. When, when you first kind of got involved with the Vue ecosystem, what were you focusing on initially? I focused on the Vue call for a short time. And then my interest, I was interested in the compli- compilation and bundling and uh, a lot of that stuff. I mainly focused on Vue COI, the then standard tooling for Vue.js. Nice. Um, and I, again, I want to get into the, the the main part of the talk here soon, but I'm, I'm also just curious, how has the the ecosystem around Vue uh, and Vite kind of evolved since you've been working on it? How has it felt to kind of see the, I don't know, just the popularity grow so quickly? When I started to work on uh, working on Vue, it was uh, still called a library that is main view library with uh, some of the core packages like router and state management and other things. And since then, the community, uh, the ecosystem grow, uh, grew quite a bit and it is now called a framework. It has a lot of upstream uh, packages and downstream packages. And same was uh, the case for Vite. When I joined the Vite team, it is just a fancy new tool in the front-end community. And now uh, it ha- has got a, a dedicated conference. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, been really, it's been really cool to kind of just see it, see it evolve. And I guess as a developer, it's also been, it's nice to kind of have, always nice to have more options out there that are like viable that people are excited about using. Um, I think that kind of helps keep everything moving forward. So it's been, it's been appreciated. So let's get into the get into the actual talk a little bit. Can you give us an overview of why you titled it Views Road to Vite? Why has it been a road to Vite? It was mainly because 
the VCOI I the project I have spent years in it, so it has already become very large. And since this came out, we evaluated the available options and decided that Beats provided a better experience for view users. So we decided to switch over to Beats. But to migrate all the other available features which used to be in VCOI to Beats, it takes quite some effort. So it's a long road for us to fully invest, it, uh, uh, invest into Vite. Was that, was that a hard decision to make to kind of push start pushing Vite as the, as the default way to kind of set up and scaffold new projects? Yeah, it's quite a difficult decision because first, I would like to maintain VOCOI alongside the Vite integration. But later, I find it very hard because we don't have, as an open source project, we don't have that many resources for us to get into that. And we have to put VOCOI into maintenance mode this uh, spring. And uh, most of my time are now spent in feet. I, I'm sure that always is like a it's a tricky decision, especially when when the community is as large as it is, and you know there's so many projects out there and so many fledgling developers trying to trying to figure stuff out. But I, again, I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. I guess kind of to help clarify for listeners, how do how do devs set up projects with Vite now, typically, if they're scaffolding a new view project? There are two ways to set up a view project in Beat. Uh, first, if you are from the view community, we recommend you to use the view com- npm create view command and uh, show a prompt to choose all the options. And it's quite like what we used to create a project with view COI. And if you are from the Vite community and want to try out a new framework like Vue, you can just use the npm create Vite project. And we will fake the uh, create view project into the create Vite project already. So it's basically the same project, but two different commands. Is there any confusion that you ever get from developers that kind of stumble into old view view CLI tutorials and stuff online and they kind of don't know what they're what they're trying to get into or they don't know what questions to ask? Is that a problem that you guys run into? Not much, actually. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I feel like that was, you know, there was, a, there was a time when you'd see a lot of posts on Stack Overflow and stuff and people were confused about like view versions and Vite versus like the old, old way of spinning projects up uh, with Webpack. Um, but it does seem to be kind of tapering off. Can you tell us a little bit more about that that move away from Webpack? How has that felt? Have there been any kind of growing pains that you guys have experienced? Actually, uh, when I started the move, move away from Webpack, it feels quite difficult. And I don't know what to do in the first but now, now that we have uh, already in a stable state, so I can see in the hindsight, it's quite natural because for people using Vue from like f- uh, before I joined the Vue team, like five years ago, six years ago, there the good old uh, Vue CLI projects, just a simple command that uh, grabs a template from GitHub repositories and uh, created a, a Webpack-based configuration for uh, for you, and you just start up the Webpack dev server. Uh, and then later, the Webpack configuration is become, uh, became so complex that 
it is not ideal for you to change them, edit them directly. So we created the Views UI 3 and 4 and so forth to encapsulate all these options. And now with create view and create views, again, the bundler's configuration is directly exposed to you. You again have a vite.config.js and it's no longer that bloated. So it's quite like the old view COI, but in, um, and in a more elegant way. Yeah. Nice. Nice. From my experience, I would, I would agree. Is there a reason you think that the, configuration via webpack grew more complicated like if we if we if we view the webpack config as an api do you think that there were bad um, abstractions in that api that made it difficult or was it just inherently because of the way that webpack needed to be configured it led to a lot of complexity that didn't need to be there with Vite? i'd say it's both in a certain extent, to a certain extent, it's that Webpack has so many options and so many features that some of them beats will never catch up with. So it's inherently complicated. And also there are some bad design choices made along the way because Webpack is a 10 year old project. There have to be some bad choices. I mentioned in my talk that Webpack has both uh, the plugin API and the loader API. And that was quite a bad choice because people, even experienced developers, often get confused. Yeah, yeah. It can be a lot to, to take in, I think, and especially if you don't, if you're not dealing with it every day and it's like, you know, oh, I've got to go and look at this configuration once every three weeks. It's just kind of like, ah, it can be, it can be overwhelming. Is there anything you guys are doing? to kind of avoid those those pitfalls that like, again, you said Webpack has like a lot of features. It's super, super configurable for a reason, right? Like people wanted a lot of things and that's why it kind of got into this state. Do you think that it's possible, you know, the, the same traps will be fallen into or is there anything you guys are kind of keeping an eye on to ensure that this we don't get into the same situation? Uh, yeah, I think the Fit team has done a great job in this area. The VIT team has a bi-weekly meeting that we discuss all the PRs in the GitHub repository. And most of the PRs are feature requests, uh, feature PRs, not only requests, but all the features uh, already imp implemented by the contributors. And we decided that all the new features should be agreed upon by the whole team. And we have a GitHub lab, uh, issue label on GitHub uh, named YAO means yet another option. So we will look at this uh, label, uh, other issues under this label carefully that if it's uh, yet another option, we need to think about, is it really ne necessary? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is there like, just as, as you guys are triaging that it can be, it can be hard to filter those. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of devs have some form of this problem where they want their even their like internal apis the code they're writing to be super configurable and usable in lots of ways but you know inevitably as you expose those if you expose more and more it becomes more of that knowledge becomes necessary to be kind of had by the end user and it, it is a tricky line to walk so i guess that effort and energy is appreciated as you guys try to <laughs> try to keep that simple I guess I've, I've kind of felt that we've been, Vite's been getting, uh, had kind of a slow 
adoption slowly. People are using it for kind of proof of concept and stuff right now, but it feels like over the past, I don't know, six months, it's really ramped up. People are looking to it for their large production workloads. Um, and it's kind of like in the mainstream. Is there a reason you think that that's been catching on lately? I guess, do you agree that we've been, it's been kind of seeing a big explosion lately? And do you think that there's a reason that that's, that that's happening? Yeah, I think uh, Vitz uh, really took off after Vitz 2.0 released uh, because Vitz 2.0 changed its plugin API to align with Rollup. And since then, all the uh, Rollup plugins are available to be used by these users. And then fast enough bundling tool and large enough plugin ecosystem made it possible to be uh, to using serious projects. And since then, the adoption of VIT has uh, really t- taken off. I have notes a note here about VIT's uh, small yet self-sufficient core. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that is and how that relates to the, uh, like the plug-in ecosystem? Uh, yeah, it's actually based on our past experience with Webpack and uh, Browse Verify and other stuff that Many, many tools feels very difficult to get your hands dirty uh, at first because uh, they don't provide enough to, enough tools and configurations for users. So in fact, all the uh, necessities for you to spin up your projects are baked in. That is the bundler, the dev server, and the preview server, and all the other stuff like static assets handling and the CSS integrations, they are all on by default. It makes quite a big difference between on by default or you can add up later because uh, many new users won't be able to find other things that they need to uh, use in the a fresh new a project. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I also I also think it's often hard to enable those things later, kind of once you've once you've begun, you may not know that it's even an option for like your existing tooling so you add it some other way then you discover you could have done it with the core that's there but it's like you kind of already spent all this energy setting it up some other way for something like yeah css or and i'm really really anything in that in that bucket like the static asset handling like you kind of run into that same problem so yeah i think i think that having those on by default and then people that know that they have some strong preference another way they can go disable it and, and figure it out themselves are there any use cases that you guys have found work particularly well with Vite or any maybe any unexpected ones where you've seen a lot of success in the community that you weren't expecting to see? Yeah, I think the most successful use case is SSR because many frameworks, uh, chose, uh, new frameworks like Astro and uh, SvelteKit chose Vite as their default tooling because of the good good SSR spots in Vite. That was quite hard in the past because totally different uh, problem space than the old pure front-end thing. Another one is the legacy plugin, because in the past, we have to configure our Babel and uh, polyfills and other stuff very carefully to support the old projects. And uh, in it, it is only a, a plugin, and the plugin is maintained by our core team. So you can just edit and your project uh, automatically support all the, project, all the browsers. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I guess kind of taking taking a, a bit of a step back, we, we, we touched on this briefly, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the kind of the feature migration from the Vue CLI to V, that kind of that interface that you guys had to had to migrate um, and are probably working on a little bit still. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the difference in the way now that users interact with those two things or if, if there is any and how you guys kind of approach that? When, when you have, again, like, especially someone new, for example, like a new dev coming on, they're looking at the CLI tooling. Was there any common pitfalls that you found people falling into with the, the view CLI that you're, you've been able to avoid now? Or were you, were you largely kind of modeling that same uh, user experience when using those, those scaffolding tools? I think we've taken the opportunity to rethink a lot of best practices, or I should say, good practices because it might not be the best. Like uh, we used to have an ESNint plugin in VueCLI and uh, have TypeScript plugin. And, and that is quite complex because uh, ESNint and TypeScript are both very huge ecosystem. And now we've decoupled it from the uh, main tooling. So you need, you can now use ESNint directly, and you should use your uh, TypeScript directly when interacting with it. And that took a huge burden off our shoulder. Yeah, I guess can you can you tell me a little bit more about how that works? Because I I haven't I feel like I've always just defaulted to like using TypeScript. How how is it different now than how it used to be? Because I feel like before in the old Vue CLI there was like a question like Would you like to use TypeScript? And you just like select which one if you wanted to or not. Is that is that not how it works anymore with Vite, or is it similar but different under the hood? It's similar but different because in Vue CLI, uh, when you add TypeScript spot, it adds TypeScript compilation spot and the type checking spot at the same time, and the type checking pipeline is built into the Webpack compilation pipeline, and that was quite complex integration. So now Vite has spot TypeScript uh, source files by default, and the type checking is totally different problem space. So it's decoupled from the Vite, and you should use TSC for plain JavaScript projects and Vue TSC for Vue projects. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm just I'm just curious. This is kind of kind of an aside, but do you guys have does 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 Vite or did the CLI did it collect telemetry on how users were using it? Were there like calls home to kind of figure out what percentage of users were enabling certain flags or anything like that, or do you guys just kind of have to anecdotally like see what people are you know, committing out on GitHub or talking about in the in the dev channels. We don't have a telemetry or something, but uh, we can see from the npm plugin download stats. So we can see how many people are downloading the TypeScript plugin. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that makes sense. If like enabling certain things always goes and pulls pulls stuff down from npm, that's probably a, a pretty easy way to do it. So you kind of end up with telemetry that's not explicit, but by virtue of having downloads occurring, you can kind of see what people are using. Is there anything that you, are there any config options that don't kind of kick off or, you know, lead to specific pulls that are, it's hard for you guys to know if people are using it heavily 
or not, or、uh, do you feel like you have a pretty good handle? Most of the time, we have to go to Twitter to start a poll. Yeah, nice. Okay, I think that's okay. Yeah, just ask people what they're using. Where, where do you start those polls usually? What platform do you use to get that feedback? Sometimes it's、uh, on Twitter, and sometimes it's on GitHub, depending on the nature of the available options. If it's too complex, we need a GitHub thread to explain that and. It's sim- as simple as what command should I use?、Uh, we go to Twitter. Yeah, totally, totally. That makes a lot of sense.、Um, do you guys use that those same kind of feedback channels to figure out what you want to work on next, or what you want to maybe add add to Veed? Or are you mainly using pull requests to kind of figure out what people care about as new features? Pull requests are the most important metrics because we don't have that many. Resources, so we need to make sure there are people、uh, willing to work on that feature. Then decide we should devote more time to it, and then we have our own project board to、uh, discuss what should be uh, uh, what should go into the next minor or major version. That are more broader、uh, features,、uh, such as uh, upgrade uh, major dependencies, such as a rollup for. Are there any other major、um, exciting packages or or improvements that are coming soon that you are particularly excited about? We are going to、uh, adopt the SWC plugin for uh, React uh, into our、uh, GitHub organization. So、uh, users now have two choices to spin up a React project:、uh, one to use Babel for fast refresh, and one to use SWC. The SWC plugin is faster but heavier.、Uh, it downloads about 60 megabytes of、uh, dependencies, but it may refresh your page a little bit faster. So if you are sensitive to the hot hot module refreshing、uh, time, you can use this. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of devs that 60 more meg to give them even a fraction of a speed increase on, on the rebuilds is probably worth it for them. So nice, that's that's awesome to hear. I guess yeah, more broadly, is there anything else you want to point listeners to or encourage encourage people to check out before we before we wrap here? Ah,、uh, yeah, recently Next Three Three has got、uh, released and it's bundle agnostic. It supports both Webpack and Vite, but the Vite experience is obviously much faster. And w- along the way, it it has created、uh, many useful tools for、uh, the Vite ecosystem together. So I encourage the listeners to try out Next Next Three and find out other good features in it. And I'm quite excited about it. Nice, awesome, awesome. Well.、Um... Yeah, thank you so much for for joining me today, Hachin. It's been a pleasure talking. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Of course.